Good morning. Uh, my name's Jill, as you've heard, and it's a great joy to be able to share this space with you all today. And I have a question for you. What would be in your top three least wanted sermon topics? <laughs> least wanted. You know the ones, the, oh no, not that. You know, like, I don't know, tax, tithing. Or how about, be sure your sin will find you out. That's always a fun one. Or do you wanna hear my top pick? Why aren't you doing more for Jesus? Oh, why aren't you doing more? Of course, no speaker is actually gonna say that's their topic, phew. But along comes the key sermon verse. A bit like the one we're gonna look at today. You wanna see it? Here we go. Hebrews 10, verses 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Great words of truth, but tell me I'm not the only one who when you see words like that, don't get a little bit of that do more dread and that thought that, oh, we're about to be told that we're not active or committed enough for Jesus, yay. I just love being told I ought to do more. Only me? Well, it might be, that's okay. But if you can relate to that do more dread on any level, I hear you. And there's good news. There is good news today because I am convinced that these verses say so much more than do more for Jesus because the good news of Jesus is so much better than do more for Jesus. So how about we take a hope-filled look at these words and maybe even find something exciting that they have to say, but we're gonna need to do it together. So are you willing to come with me? Yes, hallelujah, let's go for it. Okay, who wrote these spurring on words to begin with? Short answer, we don't know. Some scholars say it was the Apostle Paul, others that it was somebody trained by Paul, like Apollos or Barnabas. It's very Paul-like in its theology. But 2,000 years of scholarly debate have not solved that, so we're not going there this morning. What is of interest to me, a better question is, who were the readers of this letter, and why did the writer feel that he needed even to say this to them, to spur them on to love and good deeds? I mean, believers, we already know we're meant to be doing that, loving and doing good deeds. We're believers, we're Jesus people. It's part of our job description. So why does he feel the need to say that? Maybe they weren't true believers. Maybe they didn't have a high value for loving people and doing good to them. Maybe they were skipping church 
not meeting together because of their modern-day equivalent of, I don't know, football, shopping, screens. I guess it was tablets in their day, right? Maybe they were skipping church because of that. And the answer to all the above is no, not at all. These Hebrews were genuine believers in Christ, established in him. They were Hebrews, meaning they had one time been Jews, but they had solidly converted and walked with Christ. But at the time of writing, these believers, on account of their faith, were under immense pressure, resistance, even danger on account of that faith. It was illegal for Christians to meet together under Roman state rule, which was the rule they were under. Like we were hearing earlier about people even still today that Open Doors represents. They were those people. If you met together as believers in that time and you were detected, you and your family, you would be targeted. Your home could be taken, your lands could be seized, your job would be lost, your future prospects shredded, and even worse. This had very real impact, something I honestly can't really connect with. I don't know what that feels like, but it was daily reality for them. And in that climate, some of the Hebrew believers had lost courage. They were weary, they were weak, they were disillusioned, and they were turning aside from meeting together. They were turning away from any obvious signs of Christ-like behavior. And they were, some of them, even turning away from Christ. They were going back to Judaism, back to the law, back to the synagogue. Why? Because Judaism was still a protected state religion. You were safe in the synagogue. So in that case, why doesn't the writer exhort these endangered believers, hey, 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 dial it down, go, go careful, stay home, just worship together quietly as a family unit, words we've got used to hearing in recent times. Just don't do anything to stand out or be detected. Why doesn't he say that? But instead of dialing it down, he ramps it up. And that, I have to say, is very Paul. He peppers the whole letter of the Hebrews with things like, don't turn back, keep on going, keep on meeting together, keep on encouraging one another, keep your focus, keep persevering. He's trying to get them to keep on going. Well, rather than encouraging this sort of bunker mentality of, you know, just turn inward, go smaller, He's saying, no, 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 go outward, move forward, enlarge what you're doing, show the love and good deeds of Christ, even in that atmosphere of hostility and threat and suspicion, even do it amongst your enemies, love and serve them. What? Does this guy have some sort of death wish for his readers? No, he does not. He has their very best interests at heart, as well as those of the people that they live amongst, including their enemies. And releasing love and good deeds is key to all of that. How so? I believe 
the writer of this letter is trying to get the believers to see, releasing love and good deeds is gonna help you protect yourself against identity theft. What, you mean there's scammers going on on top of everything else? No, 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 no. Because you have an enemy, all right, but it's not the enemy you think it is, and it's not targeting what you think it's targeting. You think your enemy is Roman soldiers, informers, Christ-haters, the state, and that by laying low, playing it safe, hiding away, you're gonna protect yourself and what is precious to you from that enemy. Do not be fooled. Your enemy does not wear Roman robes, soldier outfits, orthodox robes. Your enemy is not even flesh and blood at all. You have an unseen enemy who is out to target you when you're weak, when you're weary, when you're vulnerable, when things are really tough, and to steal from you what is incomparably precious to every believer, your identity in Christ. Because if he can take that from you, he'll disable your faith and he will hijack your eternal perspective. So you, you just end up concentrating, consumed by the crazy in front of you and acting and thinking nothing like who you really are. Who are you? Cherished sons and daughters of the living God who like your brother Jesus, go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, including your enemies, because God is with you. Of course, your real enemy wants to shut all that down, but don't let him. Don't fall for his lies. Don't let him fool you. Stand up and know who you are and encourage one another to protect yourselves from identity theft. How? By walking out the identity that Christ has placed inside of you. Walk it out. Do those things in keeping with who you are. Not to become something, not to do more so you become, but because you already are. And walk it out to make yourself strong in that identity. The enemy, he wants you to think your identity is a victim. You're a target. You're a pawn of the state of Rome, of the government, of politicians, of COVID, of the fuel crisis, of whatever. He wants you to believe that's who you are, that you are powerless. So you better just lay low, stay quiet, just hope that it's all gonna end soon. Don't believe his lies. It's all a load of rubbish. Stand up, be who you are, walk it out, because you are bold, love-releasing overcomers in Christ. That is who you are. Wake up and walk it out. When you walk it out, you're gonna silence the identity lies of the enemy, you're gonna strengthen yourself in who you really are, and you're gonna keep yourself in that flow of fullness of life that is in Christ, the vine. Encourage one another to do that and thrive. You know, it's a bit like those films. You know the ones, I love these kind of films, where the main character, when you meet them, they're kind of living a bland, dull life, very ordinary, or maybe they've let themselves go, they're a bit of a disaffected slob, you know? 
But then you find out that in earlier times, that person shone in some amazing talent, maybe as an artist or a composer, as an athlete, even as a spy. But then something happened. A tragedy, a mistake, a bad decision, a scandal, an injury. And that shut it all down for that person. And they left that whole area of talent behind. Even got bitter and disillusioned about it. Think James Bond. Not the new film, no spoilers either, haven't seen it yet. No, think of him in Skyfall in the haggard season. You know, when he'd left active service. Think of Irv Blitzer, Cool Runnings, disgraced Olympian. They became bitter, they became disillusioned, and they ended up not even calling themselves artist, composer, athlete, coach, spy, anymore. But then, the best films have those redemptive plot lines where someone comes along or some people come along and they help that character to remember and to realize, hey, 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 you are not being who you really are and you're not releasing what you really have. Now, come on, get up and be who you are and release to the world what you've really got. And of course, there's initial resistance and there's a whole thing about that, but eventually that person reactivates in who they are talented to be and start to thrive again and the world gets to benefit from their amazing impact, even if it is as a spy. Well, that's what the writer of the Hebrews letter is doing here. He's saying, Remember who you really are. And to do it, he goes back into their previous history. Verse 32, we can't go into the whole thing, but he goes back and he remembers, hey, there was a great time of persecution and suffering that they'd already been through. They've been this way before a great marathon season. It went on for a long time. It was so difficult. They were persecuted. They had their possessions confiscated. They were put in prison. All sorts of torture happened to them. It was a terrible time. But he said, remember what you were like, how you handled yourselves, who you were. You were bold. You were full of joy. You let those enemies confiscate your things, and you did it with joy. You showed compassion to one another. You released love and good deeds to each other. You were compassionate. You visited one another in prison. You stood by one another. And you also overcame evil with good in the presence of your enemies. You showed love and compassion to them. You stood firm in your faith to Christ, and you kept your eternal perspective, knowing there is great reward coming in heaven. There is reward for us. This is still who you are. He's saying nothing has changed. You are still those bold, joy-filled, compassionate overcomers in Christ. This is who you still are. So go and be who you are and remind one another, spur one another on to remember this is who you are, even in times of pressure and resistance and suffering. You are bold, love-releasing overcomers in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
That's who they are. And I don't know about you, but I need to be encouraged back into my true identity. I need people to help me remember, hey, that's who you are. Because look, I don't face physical persecution like the Hebrews did, but I have the same enemy, don't you? The self-same enemy with the self-same tactics who wants to come to me and steal my identity to tell me, hey, you're just a victim. That tough thing you're going through, you're powerless to change that. So just give up. You know, just lay low. Just hope it all goes away. Just stay quiet. I need you to encourage me. Hey, that's not who you are. You are a bold, love-releasing overcomer in Christ. Get up and walk it out. I need you. Sometimes I'm going to need you to be those people who show the love and good deeds to me. And that can be the hardest thing to receive that from somebody else, can't it? Or maybe that's just me. We all need to be reminded, we all need to spur one another on to remember this is who you are. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we get weak. Yes, we get weary. Things get tough in our camp. But remember, this is who you are because of the Christ who is in you. Bold, love-releasing, overcomer, even in our 21st century world of leafy bucks. And of course, all of this, yes, it's for us, for us as believers to stand strong in who we are and to have fullness in life in releasing the Christ that's in us. But this is also for the world around us, for precious people who are also under that enemy unseen power that's keeping them in captivity. So they don't know that they're cherished sons and daughters of the living God. This is for them too. Love and good deeds. These are powerful spiritual weapons that God is putting in our hands that can cut through all the things that are holding people captive. They, they're, they're arrows of love, they're spears, they're swords of goodness that can pierce through, penetrate, cut away those layers that are keeping people captive, that cynicism, that unbelief, that rejection, that fear, that bitterness, that depression that's holding people and keeping them captive and unable to receive the love of God and to know that they are sons and daughters of the living God too. You know, there was a, a song that came out long, long, long time ago. Ooh, not that one. Um, very many moons ago. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And I love that line, and it's true, but it's only partly true. The love of God is sweet. Oh, it is so sweet. But it's more than sweet. The love of God is mighty. The love of God is fierce. It's ferocious. It's invasive. It is warfare, but of the most beautiful kind. Arrows that pierce, but with healing. Love that penetrates, but with kindness and goodness that can help people be stripped away of all those things that bind them and keep them from knowing the love of their Father. The love of God is a powerful weapon. I find that imagery actually really helpful to me, that when I come across someone and I don't really have time, I don't really have inclination, but when I stop and I just give that person a smile and a greeting, 
I am wielding a weapon of goodness that could be penetrating and piercing through something that is keeping them from knowing God. I just find that really helpful imagery because honestly, I don't always feel sweet. I don't feel like being sweet. I don't wanna be sweet. But when I know that that is a weapon, that could be warfare for that person, it just helps me just press in and greet them and spend time with them and take the extra effort because I know that these are powerful weapons. As I prepared this, I felt like Holy Spirit just say to me, love and good deeds, these aren't just sweeties to soothe a fractious world. These are powerful weapons to overcome the hostility of the enemy in people's lives. Wield them, use them. These are powerful in our hands. Will it be convenient? No way. Forget it now, it's just not gonna be. You know, someone that needs a listening to, they're never gonna come to you when you've got bags of time, are they? It's always gonna be when you're pressed for time, when you don't want to give the time, when something else is going on, you'd rather be doing something else. It's never gonna be convenient. Is it gonna be safe? Will it be safe? No, it won't be safe. For the Hebrew believers, it wasn't physically safe. Of course, we don't put ourselves in harm's way. That's not what this is about. But we put ourselves out of comfort's way for the sake of the love that is inside of us. It's never gonna feel comfortable. It's always gonna feel clunky and awkward and inconvenient. It just is, isn't it? It's never gonna feel safe. As the famous Mr. Beaver of Narnia quoted of Jesus, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Apologies to Ray Winston. Jesus isn't safe, he never promised safe. When we got placed in Christ, safe went out the window. We got reborn. We got reborn to be wild, not safe. We got placed in Christ to go out into ordinary everyday life, just incognito, and to burn with holy fire and to gush out living water and to light up dark places and love the hell out of people. No more safe. We're made to go and be wild, incognito. No more safe, love is mighty. We are reborn to be wild because people need to know that they are cherished sons and daughters of the living God. We get to flow in freedom. It's fullness of life to us because light, fire, water, love, they all have to have an outlet. They're made for that. They are all made for release. And when we release the light and the love and the fire and the water of God, that's fullness of life to us, but it's also bringing healing to a very broken world. This is what we are made for. This is who we are. We're gonna move on super, super quick, just to have a really brief look at the practical bit. We've looked at the why, a little bit at the how, because actually this is a how verse. The writer says, think about how to encourage one another toward love and good deeds. In other words, get thinking, 
get into brain mode, bounce ideas off one another, think how you're going to do it, have, have thought sessions, idea sessions, and notice he never tells them. He doesn't give them the ideas. He says, you go off and do it. You go off and have a think about how you're going to do this. Get practical. Get ideas. So I'm going to follow his trend. I don't have any ideas. Just a few little thoughts. Number one, tell your stories. Just like Mary came up and so bravely did earlier on. That was amazing. Tell your stories of where you have seen the love and goodness of God. Just begin to break down the hostility in people that you just live amongst, a colleague, a friend, a neighbor, a crusty family member, where you've seen just something simple. Begin to tenderize that person towards being in a place where they can receive the love of God. Tell your stories of that. I'm part of a group. We meet every Tuesday, the Prodigals Group. Anyone is welcome, by the way. This is what we do week by week. Regularly tell each other our stories. We share where we've seen, hey, I did this. I asked God, he showed me to do this, and, and, and I did it, and this is happening. And we tell each other what we're seeing. And do you know what it does? It shifts our focus. It shifts our focus away from, well, this isn't happening. I don't see God doing this. What we don't think God is doing, it shifts it back onto, hey, let me tell you what God's done. Hey, I've seen God do this. As I've, he's given me this deed to do, and as I've released love into this person, listen to this change that's happening. And we share the ideas, and some of them are so simple. And we come away thinking, yeah, I could do that. Maybe not exactly the same, but I could do that. And the best ones are the Holy Spirit-prompted ones, the ones where we've just taken a moment to listen and ask Holy Spirit, what's the key here for this person? What do I do? Because we, we can have good ideas, and good ideas are great, but he has the God ideas. Can I tell you a really simple example of this? This is a personal one to me. So there's a lady in our locality, and one day I just felt like I needed to go and get her some flowers. I don't know her very well. Went down to the shop. There were all sorts of beautiful bunches of flowers there. I'm sure she would have been delighted with any one of those. But as I stood there, no big prayer time or anything, I just said to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, which ones? And as I looked at them, it just seemed like the yellow roses just stood out that little bit more. That's all. So, okay, I'll buy those. Bought them, took them up to her. She was super surprised and delighted that this is what I didn't know, couldn't have known. Three days after our meeting, it was going to be the 10th anniversary of her husband's death. And every anniversary of that death, she goes to a certain memorial place, and what does she take with her? A bouquet of yellow roses. Why? Because they were her favorite flowers that he would give to her in their many long years of happy marriage. I couldn't have known that. I didn't even know her husband had passed away. But Holy Spirit knew that. He's got the best ideas that can just open people up to the goodness of God. Isn't he amazing? Oh, he is amazing. Second of all, don't forget part two of the verse we looked at quite a long time ago now in Acts 10.38. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good. We've looked at that. 
and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Don't forget the healing all bit. Releasing healing to those broken around us. And it's not just physical healing, it's healing of the mind, healing of the heart, of the emotions, healing of the spirit. And have you noticed how when Jesus did it, he kind of always did it then and there, right there on the spot at the point of need. He didn't really go away and say, yeah, I'll pray about that for you. I mean, that's great. That's good to offer to do that to someone. But how about we spur one another on, go that bit further, release healing there and then, offer to pray for that person right now, right there with them. You can do it. We're made to do it. We're in Christ. Oh, that's not my gift. What? If you're a believer, he has said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's our joy to be able to do that. Does it feel safe? No. Does it feel clunky? Yes. I've been doing this in the streets, in the marketplace for years now, in Slough and other places. And still, years later, it still feels, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. No, you can't do this. Get over yourself. This is Christ in you. Let him out, because that's what he wants. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, finally, we're coming into land. But I've saved the best till last. Get soaked. Get soaked in the love of God. Put it in the right order, because that's how the writer of the letter did it. Encourage one another toward love and good deeds. Love must come first, always. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, we do everything out of love. Yeah, we do this because we love, because God loves people. Yeah, I know God loves me. That's like a few little drips falling in your sponge, and then off you go. But that means all you've got, I've got, is a few little drips to give away. But that's not what this is about. This is about getting saturated, soaked and drenched and marinated in the love of God. Allowing him just to fill and infuse every cell of your body, every thought of your mind, every emotion of your heart. This isn't fluffy stuff, this isn't feminine stuff. The love of God is the most potent force on the face of this planet. Allow it to fill you, every part of you, to tenderize you, but galvanize you. This is the love that, this is the love that I just felt Jesus say, as I prepared this today, my love is so eager. Don't you love that word, eager? His love is eager. Someone came to him once, they said, oh Lord, if you're willing, willing, oh I'm willing, I'm so willing. His love is so willing. I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. I'm willing, will you receive? Will you be willing? Receive it, eagerly receive, receive, receive. Glug, 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 glug. Receive it, drink it in. The love of God. This is what we need so we can go and drench the world with that healing, beautiful love that others may know that they can be sons and daughters of the living God. And they can go and heal the world too, one person at a time. Our time's up. We've come to an end or a beginning, the beginning of an end. 
but the start of something new, I hope. We've come to the end, but I hope through this, we've been encouraged to see this was never about doing more. This was never about doing more to become something that God will be pleased with. This was never more about some sort of heavenly productivity ledger that you can put a tick in, oh, and then then God will be pleased with that. No, this is about walking out, releasing what is already in you. Oh, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm going through the motions. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. What? What? No, a hypocrite is someone who thinks they're pretending to be something they're not. But that's not you. If you're a believer, you truly, definitely, certainly are something. You are in Christ with that same love, that same goodness, that same boldness, that same overcoming. That's in you. A hypocrite can be someone that isn't being who they really are. So walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. This is who you are. Release it. Enjoy it. Have freedom in it. Flourish in it. And let others get to know that they can become sons and daughters, cherished of the living God. You go and be that artist that puts Christ on display in only the way that you can, uniquely reciting, sculpting, painting, releasing him in a million different ways so that others can see and know who he is and come to know him as their heavenly father too. Hallelujah. What a savior. Never about doing more. Just be who you are and let him out. Amen. I'd love to pray for you. Pray with me. I want to pray first for that whole area of identity, of really knowing that you are a cherished son, a cherished daughter of the living God. that you are that. But maybe you, you don't really know that. Maybe you're not sure that you really are that. Maybe you've never really known you could be that. Maybe you haven't understood that that invitation is so eagerly there for you to become a son, a cherished son, a cherished daughter of the living God. Maybe you've just never taken that step. Today you can. Right now is a moment for you to do that. If you want to be sure that you are a cherished son of God, a cherished daughter of the living God, 
Take this space, take this time, take this moment. He is so eager to embrace you into his family, into his fatherhood, into his heart. If you want that, he wants it even more. Maybe if you've never done that, why not now? Maybe your heart's beginning to beat really, really, really fast because you know that's you. You know that's really what your heart's telling you. Yes, I want that. I want that. No one's looking. Jesus sees though. Do something to show him. Put your hand out, put your hand up. Let him see, that's me, that's me, Jesus. I wanna know you today, I, 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 that's me. Put your hand up, put your hand out. Let him see. Hallelujah, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? You want to make sure today, I want you to be my father. Put your hand up, put your hand out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just feel that today there is something on that word eager. There is something that Jesus wants to assure us in the area of his willingness toward us, especially in lavishing his love on us. He's not reluctant. He's not stingy. He's not waiting until you do more. He is so ready right now, he's so eager, he's so willing, will you hear him? I am willing, I'm willing, I'm so willing. Reach out, just reach out, just receive. Eager receiver. Just tell him, Jesus, I'm, I'm an eager receiver. And just let him come, let him come. With that willing love. Just let him come to you now. Don't question it, don't analyze it, don't second guess it. Just, just receive it eagerly. Oh, he's so willing, just take it, come on, come on. More, more, more of it, just receive it right now. Yes, you've, a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, come on. There's more, there's even more. Oh, there's more, come on. There's more, there's more, there's even more than what you've had before. There's more than you've ever known before. Just let him come, let him come, let him come. Let him fill you right now, right now, right now. He's so eager, his love is wide, it's high, it's deep, it's long. 
Just let him fill you. He's so willing. Hallelujah. He's so willing. So willing. It'll never run dry. Come on. More and more and more and more. And more and more. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What a savior. What a lover. What a friend. Thank you, Jesus.